from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, coming up on this Wednesday edition, Attorney General Mary Garland was on Capitol Hill today for the first time in more than a year, and he had a lot of explaining to do. You use an unbelievable show of force with guns that I just note liberals usually decry. We're supposed to hate long, long guns and assault-style weapons. You're happy to deploy them against Catholics and innocent children. Happy to. That was Missouri Senator Josh Hawley questioning the Attorney General about the excessive use of force displayed when arresting pro-life advocate Mark Houck. And Texas Congressman Chip Roy, who has been very vocal about the FBI targeting pro-lifers, sent a letter to the Attorney General today demanding answers about an FBI informant that secretly recorded the meeting of a pro-life organization. It was later used in court. Congressman Roy joins us later. And speaking of the FBI, does the FBI have the right to remain silent and even silence others when it comes to what they know about the origins of the coronavirus? The FBI has for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. Wow. And we're just now having that admission. That was FBI Director Chris Ray on Fox's special report on Tuesday. We're going to talk about that. And speaking of the coronavirus, yesterday we received a brief report on the World Health Organization's meeting in Geneva, where they are working on a pandemic accord that is nothing less than a global power grab. Now, some on Capitol Hill are trying to stop the who. We're going to talk about the how when we are joined in just a moment by Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson. The authoritarian leaders of China and Belarus meeting in Beijing joined in urging a ceasefire and negotiations to bring about a political settlement in Ukraine. Well, what would it take to reach a settlement in this one-year-old conflict? We're going to talk with Congressman Keith Self of Texas, who met with President Zelensky along with the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Mike McCall, last week. And House Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced today a measure designed to protect the rights of parents. We made a commitment to America that we would bring a milestone bill, the Parents' Bill of Rights. And that's what today is all about. It's about every parent, every mom and dad, but most importantly, about the students in America today. Going to be talking more about that. This morning, FRC Action held a breakfast for recipients of our Faith, Family, and Freedom Award. There were 159 recipients. Travis Weber, Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs here at FRC, will join me a little bit later. And speaking of faith, there are some here in Washington, D.C. that understand the power of our faith in God propels us to serve our fellow man. Oklahoma Senator James Langford has introduced bipartisan legislation that would encourage more charitable giving. Senator Lankford joins us later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. You can also find me on Facebook at Tony Perkins. Our word for today comes from Jeremiah 29. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. So, how do we discern the truth and detect a lie? There's a two-prong t- test for one who is speaking for the Lord. Jeremiah points to it in chapter 28. First, does the event or prophecy actually come to pass? More immediately, is the prophecy consistent with the Word of God? This is why we must know the Word of God. God acts in concert with His Word. To detect a lie, you must know the truth. 
To follow the real Jesus, we must know his voice, which is discovered in his word. To find out more about the Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, after FBI Director Christopher Wray stated on camera for the first time that the origins of COVID are most likely from the lab in Wuhan, China, Chinese Communist Party responded by accusing U.S. of rehashing the lab leak theory to discredit China. Earlier today, China's foreign ministry spokesman pointed to the authoritative conclusion reached by the experts of the WHO-China joint mission that considers a lab origin extremely unlikely. Sounds like China wants the U.S. to change our motto to in who we trust. But as we've been highlighting on this program, the who can't be trusted at all. Joining me now to discuss this and more, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. He serves on three Senate committees, including the Committee on Homeland Security, Government Affairs. He's also the ranking member of the Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations. Senator Johnson, welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, Tony, hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Hey, first, let me congratulate you on being a recipient of FRC's True Blue Award, which honors members of Congress for defending faith, family, and freedom with their votes during the uh, second session of the 117th Congress. You've been consistent on that, and so I I uh, congratulate you and thank you for standing up for families. Well, I appreciate it. It's a, it's a real honor to receive that. Now, this is the second day this week, Senator, that China has had to dismiss the lab leak theory. The first was responding to the Energy Department's analysis that the Wall Street Journal broke the news on. What's your take on these conclusions that Wuhan Lab was the source? Well, from my standpoint, it's been pretty obvious for quite some time that uh, it probably leaked from a lab uh, somewhere in China. And uh, the fact that China's not been transparent, uh, the fact that the WHO completely botched uh, any kind of investigation, I think the WHO has been thoroughly captured by China. I think it's been obvious during the pandemic. Uh, but this is we need to get to the bottom of this. I'm, I'm working with the Senator Paul. We're hoping to uh, drum up bipartisan support for further investigations on the Senate side. I think the House will do that as well. It's important that we know exactly what happened so that we can pre- prevent it from happening again. Uh, but uh, the, the other aspect of this is uh, what's being negotiated right now within the WHO, the Biden administration uh, offering amendments and trying to do some kind of deal that uh, what, what I've introduced a piece of legislation to make sure that no matter what deal the administration does with the uh, World Health Organization, that it is deemed a treaty and comes before the Senate for ratification. Yeah, let's talk about that, Senator Johnson, because the, the WHO, if just to remind folks, refresh their memory, that after the virus began to spread, the, the WHO was kind of the, uh, the, the cover for China. And, and in fact, China, as I mentioned earlier, making reference to this joint mission between WHO and China, suggesting that the lab leak theory was debunked. So the the WHO has a very questionable background, especially what they were pushing during the pandemic. There's two tracks here. We've been talking about this on this program uh, almost nonstop. You've got the, the the, the accord which they're pursuing, but you made reference to these amendments that they're also uh, putting forward that would radically change their operating structure. So tell us about your legislation, what it would require, and how it would protect America, the states of this country, from coming under the global power grab of the WHO. Well, again, just to underscore the fact that the WHO failed miserably in its responsibilities during the pandemic, you know, captured by China, covered up for China. 
And so now we're going to give them even more power over a future pandemic, and that's really what's being discussed right now. It'll give them pretty much unilateral authority to declare a pandemic, and then once they've done that declaration, uh, what they're talking about is uh, have, having, for example, the U.S. Uh, contribute dollars to a new international organization without proportional voting control. They're, they're talking about uh, requiring the U.S. to give up 20% uh, of any kind of pandemic uh, supplies, whether it's uh, medicines or whether it's uh, PPE. Um, you know, so, so we don't know exactly what might be negotiated, but uh, all I'm saying is pretty simple piece of legislation. I already have 33 uh, Republican co-sponsors. I'm talking to Democrats about co-sponsoring as well. But it's just very simple that no matter what agreement the Biden administration reaches with the World Health Organization, that that agreement will be deemed a treaty. And as such, a treaty has to come before the United States Senate to be ratified by two-thirds of our body. Uh, that will keep the administration far more honest, and I think it will make it uh, uh, far less likely that uh, we'll give up any of our sovereignty to an international organization as, as corrupt and ineffective as the World Health Organization. Well, they're intentionally pursuing this route so that it's not declared a treaty, so that uh, it does not have to go before the Senate. So this is a, this is a backstop. This catches them in, in, and exposes what they're trying to do. But, you know, Senator, i got to step back for just a moment. Anyone, I think anyone with half a brain that would look at how the WHO um, functioned during this pandemic that we know as the, the coronavirus, I mean, who in the world? would want to give them more power based upon how they performed this last time. A radical leftist like Joe Biden, uh, people who are interested in a new world order, uh, don't think that America so, is acceptable, so that they that, really want to turn our sovereignty over to a world organization. So that's really what this is about. This is more about advancing this uh, global world order than it is protecting people from infectious diseases and viruses. I think it is. I mean, you don't reward an organization like the WHO by giving them more power. What you should do is, you know, start all over again. You know, I understand that it would be nice to have a a really good World Health Organization that uh, uh, is not corrupt, does not uh, get captured by China, uh, that that really could help uh, effectively rein in at epidemics or pandemics. Uh, but that's not what the but, WHO is. The, just another bloated international organization run by a bunch of leftists kowtowing to the Chinese. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is not the organization to do that. I mean, again, going back and reviewing their track record in this pandemic, they were slow to respond, slow to inform the world of the spread of this. In fact, they provided cover for China for about 30 days as China got their story together. In the meantime, this spread around the world. So, I just don't see in, in, in any scenario where we should give more authority to the WHO. I mean, this is far reaching. In fact, uh, as I've talked to some of the experts, and, and you, you may know better, but, but I cannot find a parallel where we would give this much power to an international organization to dictate what happens in our country. Uh, I agree, which is why I've introduced this piece of legislation, and, and hopefully— I got my fingers crossed. I'm going to be working hard to try and get bipartisan support for it. Uh, it's, it's one of the reasons we need to uh, nail down what the origin was. We need to, we need to get the uh, evidence. We need to have investigations, not only on the House side, but also from the Senate side. We need cooperation from our uh, federal agencies, from our intelligence community, 
uh, we need to get to the bottom of this. And I think once we do understand exactly what happened, uh, hopefully then we will have the public support. And again, part of the thing that really needs to be fully exposed is how, how complicit was the World Health Organization in providing the cover for, for China. And as a result, you know, how much did that lead to a, a wider pandemic? Right. So, Senator Johnson, how can folks help you in your effort to uh, to ensure that the who is not given this power? What what can they do to help? Well, call, call up their uh, members of, of Congress. Uh, we'll have a companion bill in the House, uh, probably led by a fellow Wisconsin uh, a House member, Tom Tiffany. I think he'll be the, the sponsor in the House. But call up your member of Congress, your senator. In particular, call up Democrat senators, Democrat House members. If we could make this thing truly bipartisan, if, if there could be a lot of phone calls into Democrat offices, uh, that would be the best way to make sure that this gets signed into law. Final question for you, Senator, because we're almost out of time. But if this doesn't succeed, uh, is the next step to just defund the WHO since the House has a little more leverage when it comes to uh, the budgeting? That will certainly be one action we can take. Uh, we just need to get, and this is why I appreciate uh, being on this program, we need to get this information out to the public so they understand exactly what uh, the Biden administration is up to and how they just may be uh, bargaining away our, our national sovereignty in certain areas. Yeah, well, we appreciate you fighting that fight on Capitol Hill and always appreciate you coming on Washington Watch. Good to see you. Stay well. God bless. All right. Well, coming up, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland was on the hot seat again today, and he continues uh, to maintain that his DOJ is not politicized. But does anyone really believe that? I'll be discussing that with another True Blue recipient, Texas Congressman Chip Roy, right after the break. So stay tuned. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Well, there were quite a bit of fireworks today during the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing with U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland. He was pressed on various issues, including the two-tiered system of justice that has emerged under his administration, which, of course, he denied. But it's clear that justice is not blind under this DOJ. Thanks to the Twitter files, we know of the FBI's role in uh, Twitter and uh, their censoring of reports that later turned out to be true. And you know what? With the FBI's director, the FBI director Christopher Wray's um, First on-camera admission that his agency assessed, quote, for quite some time now, end quote, that the Wuhan lab leak theory is most likely true. You can't help but ask, what else do they know that they're not telling or that they may even be keeping others from saying by censoring them? This is this is dangerous stuff. Joining me uh, to talk about this and much more is Congressman Chip Roy. He serves on three House committees, including the Judiciary Committee. He represents the 21st Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Roy, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to be on, Tony. Great to see you this morning. Thanks for what you do. And, uh, and uh, yeah, today was kind of an interesting day from the Department of Justice, but unfortunately every day is these days. Uh, it is. And, and first, let me congratulate you. It was good to see you this morning. You were at the True Blue Award uh, ceremony, and I, I again congratulate you for taking strong stands on behalf of faith, family, and freedom. We're grateful for your leadership on uh, on Capitol Hill. So let's. Uh, I, I, yes, the FBI direct or the uh, the Attorney General was on Capitol Hill, but at the same time, you sent a letter to him today, demanding answers about an FBI informant that made a secret recording of a meeting of a pro life organization which was later used in court. And you've been tracking this. You've been speaking out about how the FBI is targeting pro-lifers. I mean, tell our viewers about your letter, what you're looking for. Yeah, well, look, here's the problem. There was a a kind of left-leaning, actually, pro-life group, uh, PAAU, right? I think it's Progressive Activists. I can't remember the acronym stands for. But, you know, the progressives who happen to be pro-life probably don't agree with them on a lot. But we do want to stand up for life. And so they you know, alleged that they've got evidence because a video was recorded that they had someone infiltrating them that was an FBI plant and and an informant. And so we wanted to simply ask of the Department of Justice, all right, well, what are you doing with these with these uh, uh, efforts by the Department of Justice to target, you know, pro-life individuals? 
Um, maybe they've got some rationale of, of, of evidence of some illegal wrongdoing, and we're happy to listen to them. But, look, the bottom line is we're getting, we get pretty troubled when we see the power of the federal government being used and being weaponized against the American people. And, frankly, that's true regardless of what I think in terms of ideology. These happen to be pro-lifers, and there's a history, uh, an obvious history, and a certainly l- great deal of evidence that this administration has no problem using the power of government to target the pro-life community. Take, you know, Mark Houck, for example, right. which obviously that came up in the Senate Judiciary Committee today. Yeah, in fact, um, on your letter to the attorney general, you were joined by Senator Ted Cruz. I got a clip of him today in that hearing. I want to play it and get your response. Clip five, sure. please. Why do you send two dozen agents in body armor to arrest a sidewalk counselor who happens to be pro-life, but you don't devote resources to count pe- to, to prosecute people who are violently firebombing? Crisis pregnancy. It is a priority of the department to prosecute and investigate and find the people who are doing those fire bombings. Do you buy that? <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've been in hearings with uh, Attorney General Garland, and frankly, I find them to be pretty underwhelming in terms of his ability to speak truthfully. I had him under testimony when I was asking him about the fact that Scott Smith was targeted, father out in Loudoun County, as you well know. Uh, for daring to go to a school board and challenge uh, the fact that his daughter was assaulted in the school. And he obfuscated, avoided, and wouldn't answer the truth, just as he did today in the Senate Judiciary Committee. I was only able to catch pieces of it. Uh, but I know and I watched what Senator Cruz was doing and pressing this ridiculous a- effort by Mark Halk. I was actually grateful. I took Scott Smith to the State of the Union. My friend Scott Perry, the Freedom Caucus chairman, took Mark Halk to the State of the Union because Mark Halk was, in fact, targeted by federal law enforcement in coordination with local law enforcement with a SWAT team Sunday morning, bright and early, simply because he wanted to defend his son in front of uh, exercising his First Amendment rights in front of an abortion clinic. Uh, This is a pattern. We know it's a pattern. It's purposeful. And it is more evidence of a weaponized government against the American people. And I'm glad Senator Cruz took him on. What do you think can be done, Congressman Roy, to stop this? It's clearly an abuse when we see the FACE Act being used against pro-lifers, the excessive force that's being used. And as Senator Hawley pointed out in the hearing today, when the jury got this case, it took them less than an hour to throw it out and find Mark Houck innocent. Well, when you see the video, you, you, it's pretty clear that uh, that Mark Houck was just simply doing what was right and what any of us would have done, frankly. Frankly, he showed a great deal of patience. Uh, look, i tell you what we need to do. We need to stop funding tyranny. That's what we need to do. Power the purse. Uh, every Republican, every single Republican campaigns on protecting life, on standing up in defense of people to exercise their religious liberties. They stand up against spending money and debt and deficits. They call for balanced budgets. They go out and they talk about the need to secure the border. They go down all this list of things they say they want to do, but then they go, oh, sorry, the Senate doesn't have 60 votes, and Joe Biden's in the White House. You know, enough. We have the power of the purse. Stop funding government that is weaponized against the American people. Stop funding the things you campaign against. That is our calling in the Republican-led House of Representatives. I think think you're absolutely right. That's the only leverage that the Republicans have right now in the House. And you look at all of these things, how government's being used against the DOJ being a prime example of it, the FBI. But we were just talking with Senator Johnson, Johnson of Wisconsin about the WHO. And we see this administration giving more power to this organization that failed miserably during this last pandemic. Look, they shouldn't be funded. 
No, they shouldn't be funded. And, you know, I introduced legislation uh, two years ago to defund the World Health Organization. I reintroduced it this year. Uh, it's pretty common sense. And look, when we're going through the spending fight the rest of this year and the debt ceiling fight, it's on a laundry list of things that we should not fund. They're trying to empower the World Health Organization right now to take away American government responsibility to manage our own health issues, which, frankly, by the way, ought to be mostly state, local, and private, yes. Yes. and not turned over to the federal government, much less the World Health Organization. So you're Absolutely. dang right we should uh, defund it. Final question for you. We're up against a break. Are the Republicans ready yep. to fight? Well, I hope so. I'm not 100% yet clear about that. Uh, I'm going to hold Republicans accountable. I hope everybody listening to this will as well. Uh, we've got to use the power of the purse to do what we said we would do. Uh, there's some signs of hope. We're moving some things that matter. But we got to get serious. Secure All the border. Right. Stop spending money we don't have. And end this woke, weaponized government. We're going to stand with you in that. Congressman Chip Roy, always great to see you. You too. God bless, Tony. Stick with us, folks. We're back after this. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website is TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Twitter, it's at T Perkins. You can keep up with me there. Also on Facebook. Okay, the authoritarian leaders of China and Belarus, meeting in Beijing, joined in urging a ceasefire in negotiations to bring about a political settlement in Ukraine. Now, of course, those are two of Russia's closest allies. But the question is, what would it take to reach settlement in this one-year-old conflict? Joining me now to discuss this, freshman Congressman Keith Self, who uh, met, actually, with President Zelensky in Kiev last week. Congressman Self represents the 3rd District of Texas. He serves on two House committees, including the Committee on Foreign Affairs. Congressman Self, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. 
I, I want to talk. You went with uh, the chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, Mike McCall, to Ukraine. Now, we see this push by Belarus, China to reach a political settlement. Is that possible with what we see happening right now? I don't think so. And first of all, uh, what does that mean? Does it mean Russia is going to get part of the uh, Ukrainian territory to keep, to include the land bridge to Crimea? Uh, so I don't see this as a meaningful uh, effort, initiative at all. Uh, tell us about your trip uh, last week to Kiev and uh, your action with uh, your interaction with uh, President Zelensky. Well, we, uh, we actually saw some of the training areas in Poland, and then we took the night train into Kiev, spent the day in Kiev, and then the night train back into Poland. Uh, the meeting with President Zelensky was, uh, was very uh, somber, very sober. He's got some serious things that he's dealing with, of course. But he laid out his priorities, and that's what we spent most of the time on, is his priorities, Ukraine's priorities, uh, what they need in order to take the offense uh, and to defend their land and to take back the uh, territory that the Russians have, uh, currently hold. Now, let me ask you this question, because there's some conservatives who are not in favor of providing the support to Ukraine, saying it's a corrupt government. It's not something we should be uh, involved in. I personally don't hold that view. I think if we don't fight the Russians there, we're going to fight them somewhere else. But I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, you're exactly right. This is a proxy war between the evil axis of China, Russia, and Iran. Uh, it is a proxy war. Yes, Russia and Ukraine are the belligerents on the battlefield. But make no mistake about it, this is a major war, not the forever wars in the Middle East that we've been fighting the last 20 years. This is a conflict that could change the world order. Uh, so I think it's very serious. I think it's very serious for the world as a whole. And I think that we stop Putin here. And I will tell you that China has already been uh, surprised by several things. One, that Ukraine did not fall. Two, uh, that NATO did not fracture. And three, that Russia continues to have trouble on the battlefield. So China's watching this very carefully. Now you're a retired military leader. Your assessment of how Ukraine is handling this fight? Well, the Ukrainians are incredibly resilient people, incredibly tough people, uh, and they're handling it very well with what they have. Now, uh, Russia's got a population that is much larger than Ukraine, of course, uh, but so there will be a time where Ukraine cannot sustain this effort, uh, which is why we need to support them against the Russians here to, to make sure this battlefield doesn't expand into NATO to keep it confined into the battlefield that we're on today. I want to switch gears. we just got a couple minutes left, uh, Congressman Self, but you're in Texas. Uh, I know you're new to Congress, but you're not new to the issues. Uh, let's talk about the border. Uh, that's an issue that you have been focused on as well. Tell us about uh, the border. Well, I was at the border twice during my campaign, once in southern Texas, where I watched at midnight the cartel operation, very sophisticated cartel operation, ferrying people across the river. And then I went to the El Paso sector, and we, we looked at the uh, border control agents, the local sheriff, the landowners, and that's where I came away with the idea, with the belief that this is not a broken system. It is a system that is not being enforced at all. 
the, the policy that was changed with the stroke of a pen the day that Biden took office is the policy that we're living under today, and it is not to enforce our laws. What's behind that, Congress? What do you think is behind simply the lawlessness that's being allowed on the border? I think it is that we, the, 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 this administration wants as many people across the border as fast as possible, and they are going to rely on the short memories of the American people so that five years from now, seven years from now, uh, we will have forgotten these people will be integrated into society and they will be Democrat voters. Is it also a part of their broader lawlessness agenda like we see at the DOJ, we see the Department of Justice, uh, that that in a culture of lawlessness, it gives the power to government to uh, to, to move toward its authoritarian, authoritarian uh, longings? Well, it does, because people want stability in their life. They want safety in their life. They want to be able to go to soccer games. They want to go to the store. They want to go to church or the synagogue. Uh, they want peace and stability in their lives. And if they don't have it, they often turn to a strong man. Yeah. And they will be accepting of tyranny. Right. And that's my concern, is they will eventually <clears throat> accept tyranny if there's enough lawlessness. You're not the only one that has that concern. Congressman Self, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us here on Washington Watch. Thank you for having me, Tony. Have a great evening. All right. Thank you. Well, you know, in the absence of a moral foundation, a strong belief and recognition of God who holds us all accountable, there becomes this anarchy, this lawlessness. And of course, that gives government more power, as we were just talking about. But there are some who understand that God, the ability to worship him, propels us to serve our fellow man. And they're working to protect that in our tax code. We're going to talk about that next with Senator Langford. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text S-T-A-N-D to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. 
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch. The website to find out more is TonyPerkins.com. All right, uh, one of the action items, we've been talking about the WHO, we've been talking about the DOJ, but one action item is zeroing in on the WHO, the World Health Organization, and I think we just have to defund it, as uh, Chip Roy was talking about. So we have a petition uh, that we're sending to Congress. You can sign on to it regarding the WHO. Just text WHO, WHO, to 67742. That's 67742, WHO. It'll take you to a link. You can sign it, and we're going to be delivering those. Because I think, I think Chip Roy is absolutely right. We've got to draw a line. We've got to fight over these things. These things matter. Uh, we, we do not need to give any more power to an inept global entity like the WHO. Well, Democrats would like for Americans to believe that giving the government more power is in their best interest. We've seen that that is far from reality. We've seen the corruption. We've seen the deception. We're seeing an eroding of the moral fabric. You know, the... As I was talking about with Congressman Self, I don't think it's um, this lawlessness is um, accidental. Yes, it's on our borders, but it's also on our streets. And I don't think that it is uh, just coincidence that at the same time we're marginalizing God and faith in our country. The two are essential elements to creating this uh, anarchy, if you will, that leads to as Congressman Self talked about, totalitarianism. You, you have to have it. You, you have to. People want order, and so they'll surrender their rights. So this is why we need vibrant faith engaged in our country. We have to have a moral foundation. And we've even seen in our tax code as of late an effort to kind of marginalize, minimalize the role of faith-based organizations. But there's an effort to try to make sure that that presence remains vibrant simply by encouraging tax-deductible gifts to religious organizations. Joining me now to talk about this and much more, Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. He served students and families for more than 20 years in ministry before his service in Congress. He currently serves on four Senate committees, including the Committee on Ethics and the Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. Senator Lankford, welcome back to the program. Absolutely great to see you, Tony. Thanks for the uh, intro statement there as well. And you are correct. I actually read George Washington's farewell address on the floor of the Senate 
today is that has done been done every year since 1893, and he has a whole section about despotism and about uh, you cannot have morality as a nation without having faith uh, as a nation. He challenged us when he left the White House to say, don't lose track of your faith. Yeah, those two pillars, which are inseparable, religion and morality, and don't think that you can have morality without religion. Uh, before we get into this, I, I first want to congratulate you on being a recipient once again of FRC's True Blue Award, which honors members of Congress for defending and standing up for faith, family, and freedom. And of course, you've done that ever since you uh, arrived here in Washington. So congratulations and thank you. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. Thanks for the honor. Thanks for continuing to be able to stand up for what's right. Let's talk about this bipartisan bill. You actually had a press conference this afternoon. Um, discussing this, but you have Democratic support for this that helps nonprofits, religious organizations, and those that they serve. Tell us about it. Yeah, this Charitable Giving Act is pretty straightforward. You can't itemize uh, if you uh, don't meet the standard deduction. You have a lot of families, about $26,000. If you're not donating that much or have that much on a mortgage interest deduction, uh, then you can't itemize anymore uh, your charitable gifts. Uh, we want to incentivize folks, uh, e folks of all incomes, to be able to give. What I remind people at times is the safety net in America is not government. Government's last as the safety net. The real safety net in America is families. Then second, it's churches and nonprofits. And third, it's government. And if we're continuing to be able to drive the safety net towards government, we'll never be able to keep up at all. And so we've got to be able to make sure that we stay on track with that. So our focus is pretty simple encourage people to be able to donate to their charity of their choice. Uh, we're not telling them and limiting who they can give to, uh, but if individuals choose to be able to give, they can write that off in their taxes because it's going to be spent more efficiently in a nonprofit to meet human needs than it will in government. So let's incentivize greater care of human needs in the nonprofit world. I, I want to dwell on that point for just a moment because critics of this would say, well, you're giving money to these uh, religious organizations. That's money that the federal government is not getting. But in reality, in fact, I remember a number of years ago, Arthur Brooks wrote a book, Who Really Cares? And he talks about the profound impact of charitable giving upon both the recipient and the giver and how better it expands and reaches individuals, has the multiplying effect, if you will, than if it goes through the hands of government. Yeah, that's correct. So the government's efficient at sending a check out to someone, but they can't mentor. They can't uh, do real job training. They can't really engage with homeless and to be able to walk through them for a long seasons, mental health care. So many areas where the federal government tries to be able to jump in and help, but who's really efficient at that? Churches and nonprofits are really efficient at that. So if you want to do homeless care, do you want to go to a federal shelter or do you want to go to a shelter that's actually provided by a faith-based organization that's going to walk them through life? But that's what I'm talking about. Let's encourage that activity. And, and, and there's a crowding out effect when the government gets into this and pushes out the nonprofits. And now they're having to compete with, as you said, the, right. the lack of uh, tax deductibility. But there's also policies that we're seeing come into place here that is denying the religious moral foundation from which many of these organizations operate. That's just as concerning as the financial contributions come in. <clears throat> Yeah, it's very significant. This administration, HHS, Javier Becerra in particular, has been very focused on trying to strip away conscience protections, areas that are already statutory in law. They're still trying to strip away. When you look at where we're at um, in this country, in our culture, where the trust in government is declining um, 
In fact, almost every institution has declined in its uh, trust of the American people. I was talking about in the opening about the, the lawlessness that we see, whether it's on the border or on the streets. We have to have a vibrant moral foundation. In fact, going back to what uh, you were talking about with George Washington, most of the founders recognize that this experiment doesn't work without a moral foundation that rests upon religion. What do we do to restore that in our country? So I'd love to say we just pass a bill and it fixes that. You and I both know that's not how it works. It's modeling. It's families. It's quite frankly, from those of us come from a biblical perspective, it's returning back to First Peter and realizing we live in a First Peter, first century era type world and culture at this point. It's getting individuals to be able to make a difference in their own families, mentor families that are around them, getting engaged in their community, setting the example at work. People will be drawn to what is good and right. But right now, the culture is running away from what's good and right. There'll be a pendulum swing back, yeah. and they'll turn around and say, this is disastrous. Well, what, what's happening in, in Seattle and in Portland right now, the whole country is looking at it, going the whole place is falling apart from the anarchy there of the far-left extremism. And people are saying, that's not what I want as a culture and as a society. When they turn around, there better be a good, loving, respectful example that's out there saying, this is a better way. So to live what we believe, as, as frank as I can say it, is a good model for us to be able to do. And don't forget to be able to not only mentor your own children, but to be able to engage with families around you. Nations are built by families. If our families collapse, our nation collapses. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And I think what I see our role in Washington to do is just to protect that role that families and individuals have to live out their faith unmolested by the government and parents not being called terrorists for wanting to make right. sure that their children are not indoctrinated with the left's ideology. Yeah. What a radical idea to actually call parents parents uh, rather than domestic terrorists. No, it's, it's, it's a basic principle on this. If we want to be able to have faith uh, and be able to live our faith, let's guard that right for everyone else around us to be able to live our faith. I, I jokingly tell people I'm, I'm a Baptist. Baptists were kicked out of all the good colonies. Uh, we had to flee to Rhode Island and ended up in Providence, Rhode Island, establishing this place of religious liberty, even when we were colonies. So we were experimenting this early on, protecting the rights of all individuals to be able to live their faith. But we're still protecting that right. And it, quite frankly, it's still a remarkable thing when I talk to people from all over the world, as you have, that there is still an awe of a nation that can allow any faith to be able to thrive and individuals to be able to live that faith. Let's guard that for both this generation and the generation to come. And the best way to guard it and protect it is to use it. And we need to each and Live every it. one of us uh, use that. Senator James Langford, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. And one final question for you. How can people help you with your measure? What do they need to do? Well, they can reach out to our office or reach out to other Senate offices or House offices as well and just talk about charitable giving. We've got a lot of folks that are on the Hill today actually wandering around and talking about it from nonprofits all over the country, both faith-based and non-faith-based. This is not discriminatory because I, if we discriminate against people of faith or, or against secular organizations, there'll be discrimination the other way as well. So just people reaching out to their representatives and saying, hey, I heard about this charitable giving act that will encourage more charitable giving. I do giving personally. And I want to be able to get a tax write-off for benefiting those that are in greatest need. They'll, they'll know what it is, I can assure you. We've made it clear. All right. Senator James Langford, have a great day. Good to see you again. All right. The media would, uh, would like you to think everyone here in Washington is sold out to evil. And there are a lot. But there are still 
some that stand up for the truth. And that's one of the reasons here for Washington Watch. Yes, we must hold those who deny right and wrong accountable and put pressure on the spineless, and there are some of those here. But we also highlight, just like we saw with Senator Langford, men and women who are standing for faith, family, and freedom. In fact, almost every person you hear on this program, they're one of those. And because you're involved, they're here. You know, we're getting more and more of them with each election because you're voting and you're informed and you're engaged. Well, today at FRC's headquarters, we welcomed many true friends and stalwarts who are defending faith, family, and freedom. I've talked about it in the program, the True Blue recipients, 100% score on FRC Action Scorecard for this past Congress. And uh, join me now to talk about the uh, those that got it, 138 representatives, 21 senators, standing strong for truth, faith, family, and freedom. Join me now, Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. So a great morning. We had uh, many dozens of members that came here to receive their award this morning in our media center and there were some tough votes. Talk about the yeah. votes that were on the card this year. Yeah, so 21 votes in the House, 20 um, standalone, and then one uh, discharge petition that's ongoing, uh, 17 in the Senate. So that is a lot of votes. Uh, as folks know, we're scoring votes across a range of issues, not only tracking the life issue, abortion, but uh, family issues, LGBT, defending against the LGBT encroachment. And that's you know, a lot of a lot of that's a tough issue for many and religious freedom. So it's important that people know this is a robust scorecard. Yeah, it's, it's it was a tough one. So 159 uh, recipients that they went through a, a meat grinder of, of difficult votes that, that we appreciate their stance. And we're going to be here to lay out those votes. Where can people see this? Uh, at TonyBerkins.com. It's linked there. Uh, and it's, you know, this is a, it's interesting. It's, it's a 28-page document. If you go and read it, you'll see where members stack up. But it's actually educational because each vote has a paragraph explaining the issue. Some of these titles, Consolidation Appropriations Act, what does that mean? We're explaining what the problem was on faith, family, freedom, each of those measures. Yeah. And, and folks, I'm going to ask you to do, uh, to, to do us a, a favor, and that is Go to TonyPerkins.com, look at the scorecard, and if your member of Congress received 100%, I'm going to ask you to contact, call their office, thank them for defending your faith, your family, and your freedom. They need to hear from you. You know, yes, we need to contact the bad guys and do the bad things, but we also need to reinforce. I cannot tell you uh, the conversations I had this morning, the number who said, we're so grateful uh, for those who stand with us. They need to be encouraged. And, and Travis, you find that to be the case. It's It goes such a long way for people to say, hey, thank you for standing it, up. It, it, for really, right. it really does, because, you know, we're, we're laying out the votes for uh, members of Congress, why we're for or against a bill, helping them understand it. But they're the ones taking the vote on the front lines, defending an issue, advocating for an issue of their colleagues. They need to know that you, that the constituents out there, see and hear what they're doing, and, and our, that communication reaches them, that they, they appreciate it and are praying and supporting them. Very quickly, we just have a couple minutes, about a minute left. The process by which we score these, so the, the yeah. process, walk our folks through Yeah, that. so our team here is analyzing measures that we're aware of making their way through the House and the Senate. We're taking a look at them internally. Do they meet a level of concern for us? Uh, either we don't like it or we like it enough to score it. So the score is a is us saying, 
We clearly stand for or against this measure so people can know we vetted it, we've analyzed it, we've checked it against other parameters and other uh, measures. And so we send a letter to Capitol Hill we, in advance so yeah, they know where we, we stand. We let them know ahead of time. We're resourcing them, giving them understanding of papers on the measure. So there's a education behind this as well. But also they know we're watching and we're helping them defend faith, family, freedom in D.C. There are oftentimes many conversations that take place over those bills. A, a lot of conversations. And then we score those at the end of the Congress and we publish what we've just published and we recognize those who were 100% standing with us. Yes, another way, thank you, the scorecard, it's uh, for you constituents out there, it's FRC, helping people defend faith, family, freedom here in D.C., working with Congress to do that. And here's our explanation of how that played out over this past year. And people can read more at TonyPerkins.com. Well, Travis Weber, you and your team and the Government Affairs and Policy did a great job, and it was a great event this morning, so thank you for joining us. Thank you. And, folks, it's a resource for you. We do this for you uh, because of our partners across the country that fund us, enable us to be here. We are advocating for faith, family, and freedom day in and day out, policy, communications, you name it, we're doing it. But we want you to take those resources and use them. So share that scorecard with your friends at your church, neighbors, family. And then please, please contact these members and say thank you for standing up for faith, family, and freedom. All right, we're out of time, unfortunately, but there's always tomorrow. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, When you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 